You're listening to the Little Studio Comedy Club Podcast with your host, Jen Johnson. Jamie Campbell, stand-up comedian, storyteller, actor, writer, man of incredible improv skills. I do everything but a real job. That's... Who needs that? Yes. Your film and TV work includes appearances on NBC's Chicago Fire and so much more. I should say the newly married Jamie Camp. That's right. I'm sporting the ring. You, you, <gasps> Ooh. You can't see it out there in Radio Land, what but is uh, this? Yeah, that's check nice. It out. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it's a piece of wood. It, it was is a, from a tree. They <laughs> carved it. It was a tiny tree, I assume. <laughs> That would be a very small piece of bark. No, but that's very cool. My husband yeah. doesn't wear a wedding ring. Oh, really? He lost the original one, which it was not expensive. I want to say 200 bucks, right? Just a silver ring. On a men's wedding ring, you don't want to go all out. No, you don't. And within the first week of our marriage, he lost it in our hotel room. I don't know if it got stolen. Maybe. I'm not blaming the cleaning people, but I'm saying the ring went missing and we never replaced it. Somewhere out there, a maid's husband... <laughs> Very happy. Uh, so I do follow you on social media. And you should. I, everyone should. They should. And I kept up with your stories and all the things of your honeymoon and the wedding. Your bride was gorgeous. The wedding looked super cool. How did everything go? It went amazing. It went better than I ever dreamed. And stereotypically, guys don't have that dream wedding fantasy. I'm not a stereotypical guy. I wanted an amazing wedding. I'm a oh. hopeless romantic, and I love how everything turned out. Yeah. You had a cool venue. It was awesome. It was the Mission Theater. And if you haven't checked it out, if you're in the area, like it's an old classic, like golden age Hollywood movie theater that was renovated and turned into this beautiful wedding space. Yeah. And we did the ceremony and the reception there. And we, we kicked off the reception. We did our regular dance, which is a, you know, a lovely slow dance to Ben Folds' The Luckiest. Aww. And then the song skips a little bit. And then you hear, <laughs> if you're a fan of the show Friends, uh-huh. the song that played when Ross and Monica did the routine. And we uh, basically just did that. We recreated the routine from Friends. That's amazing. How much practice did that take? We did about six months, and we kept it a secret. Six months? We didn't do it every day. We had Sunday. Sunday was our day. (laughs) And, like, when you're planning a wedding and you're both, you know, super busy people, you have to schedule everything. Yeah. So every Saturday, we would have a wedding planning meeting where we would touch base on all the stuff. Sure. And she would go, here's all the things that I'm doing, and here's the two things that you can do to help. Right. Other than stay out of the way. Uh Uh-huh. And then on Sundays, I was in charge of making sure that we did our dance rehearsal. We would get up. We would do some stretching because we're in our 40s. (laughs) (laughs) The whole wedding could have been off if things went wrong. (laughs) Now, see, I feel like I'm the opposite because I should have been the girl that had the notebook, the Pinterest ready to go for the wedding. I couldn't have cared less. I was like, no, let's just get married. I bought a dress for 60 bucks off the rack at Macy's. Wow. And it was too big. And we got married. We eloped in Antigua. It's too big. They were like, you're the only bride that needs to gain weight for the wedding. (laughs) So my husband literally took a rubber band, like an old school rubber band, and tied up. It had a halter neck, and he tied it up. So we totally had to MacGyver my wedding dress. Wow. It worked out perfectly. So as long as you don't turn around, this is going to be great. That's that's right. (laughs) Just wear the hair down. No updo for that. Uh, Now, you mentioned that you are in your 40s, which gives you big dad energy. It's true. Like, I'm not a dad. And a lot of people, when I posted about the title of this new show that I'm doing, Big Dad Energy, they didn't read the post where I said, nobody's pregnant. (laughs) 
but I'm doing this show with this title. And so I got all these people congratulating me. And they weren't congratulating me on the show. They were congratulating me on the baby that is not coming. Right. (laughs) And plans for that? We should just ask. You know know what? I think we're letting the clock run out. Mm -hmm. Uh, It wasn't a choice specifically to not have children. But when you meet somebody and you're approaching your 40s, like you almost immediately, you got a decision to make. Are we having kids Sure. or what? Because if we are, we got to get started right away, which I think is going to get us kicked out of this Outback Steakhouse, (laughs) if we're being honest. (laughs) I know they say no rules, but I think there are rules. (laughs) So the Big Dad Energy, where is this show? What's going on? I know you've got Fringe Festival. Tell us what's going on with all this. It's happening at the KC Fringe Festival, which is coming back to live audiences for the first time since pre-corona. You know, back when Corona used to just be a beer sure. was the last time that they did live performances. And they're, they're taking all of the precautions. You know, we know COVID's still out there. It's still lurking in the shadows. Mm-hmm. So they're still, you know, taking safety precautions. But live audiences are so important for people that, that perform live because the way an audience laughs and reacts, they shape a show. And so I'm taking the show on the road next year, and I'm premiering it at the KC Fringe Festival because I need live audience feedback. Yeah. To know what's working and what's not. It's incredible. If you've never been to Fringe, it's art without, like, limits. You'll see all sorts of things. You'll see some stuff that you're like, I didn't even know that was a kind of performance art you could do. Uh, there's a, a show I'm excited about, a local comic named J.T. Nagel, wears a shot collar. What? Yeah, I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but I, I know I'm going to be there for it. <laughs> and now I'm going, yes. Right? Um, and for me, it was just exciting to, to finally do something based on where I am in life because I'm in such a different place than I was when I started stand up. I used to be a lot more angry, a lot, mm-hmm. a lot dirtier with a lot of my 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 stories and and my jokes. But that's just kind of not where I'm at now. I'm in a place where I think the world needs joy. Yes, and that's what I want to do. Is just I want the audience to come in, have a great time getting to know me, but also just walk out feeling better about themselves. I feel like kindness has become a radical act, and and I'm all about uh, using comedy as a way to make people feel good. Yeah, no, it's the same way with my morning shows. I feel like, you know, I've been through the old 90s morning shows where it was, let's call somebody and try to catch them in the act of cheating. And we're, you know, we're going to do this. And now I'm like, man, I just want people to get in the car and walk out with a smile and like not have to hear all the crap news that all the other stations are actually talking about. Yeah, we, I mean, we are, I feel like, bombarded with negativity. And it doesn't mean that we're ignoring it, but we're also looking out there and choosing to go, but where is something positive that we can shine a light on. Right. And how can we connect as human beings in ways that uplift us and make us feel better? Because we are all in a lot of what's going on in the world right now together. So why wouldn't we also look for the ways that humanity is amazing and joyous? Yeah. And now that you said that, all of a sudden, as you were talking, I had a flash to you. What did, was it Oreos that you just did a big commercial for? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I guess last time I was here, it was about a year ago, and I did the, it was a really cool bit. Oreos, the U.S. government was finally releasing information on alien, like some <laughs> uh-huh. like classified information. And so Oreo said, how can we capitalize on this alien information? And they decided to do this commercial uh, where and it was really interactive. So on their Twitter account, they were like, we're going to off- make an Oreo offering to the aliens. Yes. And we want the Twitter followers to tell us which cookie, which type of milk uh, we should give them, and, you know, what type of setting should we set up. And so we filmed every different option so that then live they would vote, and then it looked as if we had just done that. Yeah. They made a crop circle in a Kansas field, and they brought in this artist. I wish I could remember his name because he's incredible, and that's his job. He does crop art, and he carved out an Oreo in the field. 
awesome. And like they had drone footage from overhead. It was, yeah. it was spectacular. Because I remember just scrolling through and it was one of those things where it popped up and I saw the commercial before I saw you posting that it was you. And I was like, wait a minute, I know that guy. Why do I know? That's Jamie Campbell. I know <laughs> him. Super cool. It was really neat. And how cool that that's somebody's job. I'm yeah. going to go make an Oreo in a field. He's done so many other things. He, he does a lot of uh, uh, things that are kind of for a cause to kind of create awareness, which you would think maybe a billboard, people are driving by it. I don't know how many airplane passengers are going to look down and see the crop circle, <laughs> right. uh, but it's still really cool and amazing. Last week on the uh, morning show, I do a thing called Jen's Impossible Question, where it's a random question, and it was talking about what, it was like, I don't know, 84% of people wish that this was taught in schools. And the answer was video gaming. And I thought, is that, we want it to be taught? And I kind of joked about it. We talked about it being 15-year-old boys taking this survey. And a guy wrote in on our text line and was like, hey, I make six figures a year video gaming. And I'm like, I'm doing all the things wrong. Yeah, what you know what? And not just how to play video games, but how to discover ways to get into that industry. Right. How are you making? And I asked him point blank, I'm like, how do you make six figures playing video? Are you just do you have sponsorships? Is it like, a Twitch? He said a little bit of everything. Some of it was sponsorships. Some of it was circuit. Like they tour around on the circuit. A lot of it was live streaming games. I know that my kids. Watch other people play video games. When I was a kid, you did too, but that was when you just went over to your friend's house and yes. he wouldn't share the controller. Exactly. <laughs> I only had one working controller yes. and you had to sit on the couch and watch them. Yeah, but no. And I always feel like, why am I working like 15 hours a day doing 100 jobs? This guy's over here playing video games. Yeah. I would love that. Oregon Trail, we had that in class. Yes. Uh, but I just kept dying of dysentery and I didn't want to do that for a living. I loved Super Mario. I remember that. And I did a lot of video gaming in the middle school years. I got a Super Mario story for you. Okay. I lived in a very rough neighborhood as a kid. Uh, we were a pretty poor family. We had a crack house across the street from us. And right next door to the crack house is where my best friend lived. Of course. And he was the only kid in the neighborhood that had a Nintendo. And so I would go over and we would play Super Mario Brothers. And by the way, when I first saw the name Luigi on there, I didn't know how to pronounce <laughs> Italian names. I thought that he'd selected his own name on the game. <laughs> <laughs> and it was him trying to spell loogie, like loogie. spinning a loogie, yeah. <laughs> so we're playing Super Mario Brothers, and something goes down at the crack house. Oh. Somebody pulls out a gun and shoots, and a bullet goes through the bedroom. We were sitting on the floor and in front of the bed. How old are you at this? Oh, gosh. I, I think maybe second or third grade. Okay. I'm a little kid. Sure. Uh, you know what, though? I, I know the code of the streets, That's okay? <laughs> You hear a gunshot, you get down. Luckily, we were playing sitting on the floor in front of his bed. If we were on the bed, something tragic may have occurred. It was a, uh, it was tough. I laugh at your face, not at the situation nor the fact that children are getting shot while playing video games. I'm just glad we weren't playing Duck Hunt. Uh, that's <laughs> I loved Duck Hunt. Uh, now I'm thinking of all the games because my kids are at uh, the grandparents this week, which, oh, yeah. first of all, is a fantastic idea. Yeah, Send go them, get spoiled. Yeah, for a week in the summer, mom and dad heading out having drinks. Uh, but we got a text from her yesterday. She was asking if we had some video game. Do we still have Mario Kart or something? And I'm like, what's happening at grandma and grandpa's that has inspired this question? You know what I bet happened is they got bored. Because yeah. when you go to grandparents, there's a certain amount of time. There's a window where it's awesome. Yes. You're getting spoiled. You're getting all the food treats. That's right. They're buying you gifts. They're taking you to places. But then grandparents get tired. <laughs> and they also go, look, we got limited funds here. We saved up. This is to last us until we're done. And, and it's like, why don't you guys just sit down and watch the TV at a reasonable volume while I take my meds? It takes me about 45 minutes to get through these pills. 
<laughs> that's 100% accurate and the case that's happening right now. I have no doubt. Uh, what else yep. is going on? So now you just got married. Fringe Festival's coming up in just weeks here in Kansas City. And then you're heading out on tour with this? I'm, I'm heading out on tour next year um, in between film festivals. I've I become someone who is uh, starting to work in the, the screenwriting area. And I, I started doing this during the lockdown. Yeah. Uh, but but it's been kind of neat. I've had a little bit of success. A few film festivals have actually made me like part of their judging panel. Ooh. And uh, I wrote a feature-length screenplay that is now, it's placed in over 60 different competitions. And I've had a few producers interested in pitching it, but it hasn't quite worked out. It's one of those things where I would rather it be done right than just get done, but done poorly. Sure. But I did also write a short horror screenplay uh, that won a few awards and got noticed by a production company in the United Kingdom, and they're shooting it in August. How cool is that? I'm very excited about it. Can you tell us a little bit about the uh, plot line I there? can tell you a little bit about it, and uh, I don't think it would fly in the United States with the current climate, but it, it, it's called Morning Sickness, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, and it's uh, essentially uh, a woman has fallen in love with a man, and she doesn't realize, like, they're on the way to getting married, she's pregnant, and she doesn't realize that he's actually someone whose life she affected very negatively in the past, and he's out for revenge. But things come oh. out, uh, and it's a it's a thriller, horror, pretty dark and scary. I'm excited that they're doing it out in the UK. There's something wild about getting these audition videos and somebody speaking your words in a British accent. That, yes, like you didn't initially write it for that, but like I, I love it. It takes place on Halloween, and so kids are trick or treating. And when I when they read the script, he was like. It's great, but we need to change a few things for the UK audience. Right. So, like, instead of, because uh, basically the, the kids are trick-or-treating, but all that they have left is, like, old Easter candy. <laughs> they didn't plan for it. And so, like, you'll hear him go to the door, and in the, the US version of the script, he's like, I hope you guys like peeps. <laughs> uh, but for the British version, he's like, we don't have peeps over here. And so he's like, I hope you guys like jelly babies. Oh. Which I guess is a candy. It sounds terrifying. Yeah, no, I don't know what that I guess is. It's like a Sour Patch Kid, maybe. But everything sounds richer and fancier in a British accent. It does. Are you an accent person? Can you do accents I, well? I do not do accents well. If I have to do, like, a character impression, I'll do voices. And then if you need to know why that person speaks in a way that's not quite the correct accent... Then I'll explain their background is that they've been to several different places. Uh-huh. Uh, but that's my way of covering for a bad accent. When I was growing up, for some reason, I would just go into a southern drawl. And now that I look back, it was not good. I would just add y'all into everything. And I don't, that didn't make it good. You know what I found the trick is for me is doing my regular voice and then just adding a slight twinge of it. Mm. Because most people that have an accent don't do it as thick as we think it is we in our head. overdo it. Yeah. And so sneaking a few things in, I did have to do an impression of former Chicago mayor Richard Daly. Okay. When I lived there, I was in a show at the Annoyance Theater called The Rahm Emanuel Story. And there was a scene where he, like, comes into the mayor's office and is like, basically, you're going to quit so that I can be the mayor. And I, I had to, like, watch footage of Daly, and I realized, I was like, he talks out of the side of his mouth. Uh-huh. And so if you do that, and he kind of leans in as he talks, almost his whole shoulders move. His arms don't move without his shoulders. And you have to find a phrase to get you into the voice. And the phrase that I found on a video was uh, Chicago O'Hare International <laughs> Airport. And if I would say that before I went out, then I would feel like I could uh, be mere daily. I love it. <laughs> I forgot that you and I both lived in Chicago for a time. Yeah. We never ran into each other. No, we may have. Was it different so, years? I would have been there 2002 to 2008. Okay. Yeah. You left 
right after I had moved there. So we had okay. a summer yes. uh, that we could have hung out, and we, we blew it. Could have run into a second city. That's where I was, that and the Starbucks underneath yeah, it. Yeah, that's where I was. I, I was there. Oh, yeah, Piper's Alley. Yes. Absolutely, 1919 North Wells Street. Know it well. When I first moved there, I was so excited to be training in the second city that my friend and I, uh, we walked like 25 long city blocks just to get there because we were broke. Yes. We, we couldn't afford like a... A cab, and we didn't know the public transportation system. So I, we made it to Wells Street, and I just looked up at the numbers, and I was like, I think if we just keep walking, we'll find it. <laughs> well, there wasn't easy public transport there because when I went there, so I lived out in the south suburbs when I very first moved. Oh, really? And I worked at a radio station right downtown, right in the Hancock building. Oh, so yeah. I would drive there, park there, and then I had like a four-hour window from the time my on-air shift ended to the time I had to be at Second City. Well, I wasn't going to drive all the way back to the Burbs, right? No. So I would literally sleep. I would find a salesperson's desk where it was kind of quiet and away from the window. I would sleep under a salesperson's desk in the radio station for like two hours, get a wow. little nap, and then go to Second City. And I was the same as you. I was just so excited. I didn't care if I hadn't slept, like whatever it took just to be in the building. That's all I wanted. I think people that have never lived in a major metropolitan area, they don't realize, like sometimes... It can be so inconvenient to just pop home. I take it for granted that if I had a couple hour break, I can pop home, watch some TV, relax, get a bite to eat. But I had like a giant hiking backpack. Sure. And I would take everything I needed for the day when I left the house. And so I'd leave the house early in the morning, uh, would go, you know, to work. And then I might have a comedy shift somewhere. I might be taking a comedy class, then doing shows. I wouldn't return home till after midnight. And so I needed all of the outfits if I was going to work out everything for the whole day. Yeah. Do you have any good, weird Chicago stories? My, probably one of my, well, I have two, both involving celebrities. So one, I was walking to go to the gym and I looked terrible. Hair's in a ponytail, no makeup, sweatpants. There's Chris Robinson from the Black Crows. Oh my gosh. On the block, it's just he and I walking toward each other. He's walking a dog and I'm like, I love the Black Crows. I have to say something. And this is when he's married to Kate Hudson. Super famous at the time on all the magazine covers. Yeah, they were giant, like the 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 it couple. couple. And I just walk up and I'm like, I have 14 seconds to figure out what I'm going to say. And so right when he's next to me, I just go, uh, are you Chris Robinson? And he gives me the nod like, yeah. And I stick out my hand to shake his hand. I'm like, I, I think you're amazing. And he's like, ah, cool, thanks. And I'm like, oh, I should have told him. There's so many things that are much cooler that I could have said. And I didn't. I was caught off guard. You know what? He probably appreciates that you were brief. I was. <laughs> was very brief and dumb. The other one, I was in a drunken stupor, two in the morning, leaving... That's a typical Chicago beginning of a story. Leaving an Irish bar that now I can't think of the name of it. Huge, right downtown. My friend and I are walking out, walking down the city street. And again, we see these two guys walking toward us. And I'm like, that guy looks just like Vince Vaughn. That is Vince Vaughn. So then I yell, what do I say as he's approaching me? Vince Vaughn! Sweet Jesus! That's all. That's what I say. And he looks down at me like he feels a little sorry for me. And he shakes my, he takes my hand, cups it nicely, shakes my hand, and gives me a look that says, please don't follow me. Like, I get it. You're a girl out having some fun. Please don't follow me. And I didn't, which I feel pretty solid about because I was single at the time and Vince Vaughn is very tall and attractive. Yeah, absolutely. I think I would have followed him. Yeah. (laughs) Those are my good Chicago living downtown stories. I mean, there, there are some... I mean, Chicago is a city that breeds the interesting because when people come to Chicago, I don't know. I think there's something about like half of the year you're in dark, bitter, depressing level of winter. It feels like in Game of Thrones when they talk about winter is coming, they're talking about a Chicago winter. <laughs> yep. And uh, I had a 
an instance where, I don't know if you're familiar with 80s WWF era wrestling, uh, but there was a guy named Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Sure. And his gimmick was that, like, he would literally cut his opponent's hair. He would put them in a sleeper hold, <laughs> make them pass out, and then get out garden shears and give them a terrible haircut in the ring. And I don't know how they brainstormed this gimmick. It's like, yeah, it's going to be really tough, you know. Yeah, first I'm going to I'm gonna kick your ass, and then I'm going to give you a whole new look. <laughs> so it was the weirdest, like, kind of a, a show where they were putting together this thing. It was called the Rock and Wrestling Rebellion, and it was at the Double Door. And that's what sold me on saying yes to the gig because it's a legendary rock venue. The Rolling Stones, Smashing Pumpkins. And they've all taken this stage, and so have I. Wow. This event, though, it was so strange because they had professional wrestling. There were rock bands, stand-up comedians, and also freak show acts. Why not? uh, And burlesque. But, yeah, I remember there was one guy, like, his job, this is his uh, passion, I guess, uh, was lifting heavy things with his nipple rings. (laughs) He lifted, like, 100 pounds. Then afterwards, they just looked like Swedish fish. (laughs) (laughs) terrible. Uh, And so I'm supposed to do stand-up in between things. And when they do a local professional wrestling show, usually they'll bring in one name that is recognizable. And they brought in Brutus the Barber Beefcake. He was kind of the headlining act. And when I was a little kid, I was a huge Hulk Hogan fan during the biggest era of Hulkamania. And Brutus Beefcake was Hulk Hogan's tag team partner. And so I had watched him as a kid on these pay-per-views, like, he was the tag team partner when, like, Hulk Hogan went against Macho Man when he had Zeus as a tag team partner, who was the guy that played Debo in Friday. He had, like, a a short stint in wrestling. But Brutus is someone that I had watched, and, like, this was the year right before he got inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. And so he shows up, and he is drinking already at 5 in the afternoon. He's got a beer in his hand. He didn't go to the ring until about 11 that night, and he's just drinking straight through and now and then you'd see him, you know, take some some pills, it, it seemed like. Uh, he was kind of discreet about it, but not super discreet. Mm-hmm. And he seemed like he was slurring a bit. Uh, so I see him go to the guy he's supposed to wrestle, and they're having this meeting about how, you know, we're going to pre-plan the show, if you don't know that about wrestling. Sorry what? to break it to you. And they wanted the local guy to win, but they also, you know, you have to let the other guy save face and look good. So the, the plan was he was going to, like, hit him with a chair, and win, so he had to cheat to beat Brutus Beefcake. And Brutus Beefcake gets real serious backstage, and he's like, let me ask you a question, brother. And I was like, wow, he really talks like that. <laughs> and he goes, is this going to be on the YouTubes? And I was like, what, the YouTubes? And the, the promoter knew what he was talking about. He's like, well, it's not going to be on YouTube, but it, w- it will be streaming. We're, we've got, like, an online pay-per-view. And he goes, oh, well, that's not going to work for me. Because if I lose to somebody like, like this nobody, no offense, brother. <laughs> But I'm going to be a laughing stock. And I'm just thinking, like, dude, everybody knows that it's pre-planned. <laughs> so he refuses. And, like, they decide, the other guy just says, fine, you can beat me. I don't care. I'm just excited to wrestle you. But by the time he's coming out to the ring, he was seemingly so inebriated, the other guy was uncomfortable. So they decided, like, we can't have Brutus wrestle. But the fans paid for him, so we got to do something. So the promoter comes up to me. Stop it. And he says... Look, Brutus isn't going to wrestle, but the fans want to see him put somebody in the sleeper hold and give him a haircut. <laughs> and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, great. This guy who looks like he can barely stand up in the corner, you're asking me if I'm willing to let him take a sharp object to my head. That's where my I keep my brain there. Right. But the child inside me that had watched this guy in WrestleManias was like, you have to do this. You can't say no to that. Yeah, so I did it. And basically he was out in the ring, and they had me interrupt him. And I was like, uh... 
Brutus, what are you doing? You know, the fans don't just want to see you walking around. They want to see some strutting and cutting. That was his phrase, his okay. catchphrase. I was like, they want to see you put a dude in the sleeper hole and give him the worst haircut of their life. And he's like, why don't you come to the ring and talk to me? And I was like, oh, no, I'm a comedian. I'm not. Uh, and so we'd gone over that I was going to go in the ring and he'd put me in the sleeper hole and cut my hair. What he didn't tell me was that he was going to throw punches right at my face. Oh. Yeah, and you know what? I don't think that I would have sold it well if I had known in advance. But the thing is, when someone has a fist the size of a football mm-hmm. and it's coming right at your face, you do react. Yeah. And so this guy throws like three punches right at my face and I tilt my head back just like you're supposed to. Right. Naturally. And he never comes close to hitting me. This guy seems so inebriated, but in the ring, he took perfect care of me. He knew. He was amazing. And he puts me in the sleeper and I'm flailing my arms around because I got to sell it. But I forgot that, you know, you're, it's supposed to put me to sleep. Right. So he whispers in my ear. He goes, you got to fall asleep sometime, brother. <laughs> and then he gave me just the gentlest little haircut. I didn't even have to go to the barber to get it fixed. Love it. Oh, my gosh. That's the greatest story ever. This is wild. That's a cool opportunity. Jamie Campbell, Fringe Festival coming up in just weeks here in Kansas City. We will get everything posted, all the great links and everything like that. How can people find you? You've got all your social. Yeah, absolutely. The best way to get a hold of me is just to go to jamiecampbellcomedy.com. And that's got links to my performance dates. That's where you can get tickets to Big Dad Energy, uh, which is at the KC Fringe Festival here at the end of July. You can also contact me if you want me to come to your city. If you're you know somebody from KC that loves this show, but you've moved somewhere else and you got a great venue, I'll I'll come to you. Uh, I'm excited to be touring this thing. Uh, and all my social media links are right there. Also, if you want to check out anything else at the Fringe Festival, just go to kcfringe.org and you can check out all the shows. And even if you don't come see me, which you really should, why wouldn't you? Uh, you got to come out and support the Fringe. It's some of the most amazing live performances that you will see in the Kansas City area. Thank you so much for taking time to come by this morning. Thank you for having me. See ya.